well, uh, looking around, I feel like I know you all, but if I don't, my name's Evan. Um, over the last, I guess, two and a half months, starting in May, uh, we've kind of been working through a series that has been building upon itself. In May, we looked at something called the gravity of grace, this idea that everything we have is a gift from God, period. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, look on our website and go back to May. Um, after we looked at the gravity of grace, we looked at uh, what do we do with grace and the law, and realize that the law came from God himself, was supported by Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit himself gives us the law. So the law has got to be a part of our daily lives. Um, what we're going to do over the next six weeks is look at the specific laws that we've been given for here and now. The fact that the law is not an antiquated piece of literature, text, that should be set aside now that we have the grace of God. But because we have the grace of God, the law is something that we need to put into our lives, put play in our lives, because it is direction from God himself on how to live a more abundant life. You know, before we move any farther, let's just take a moment. I guess I'm going to take a moment and just pray, kind of realign my perception with uh, the audience of one. Uh, God, God, we are here because you are our priority for this moment. Uh, we are here because we realize in some way, shape, or form that uh, you are important. So because of that, because of this meager um, demonstration of you being our priority, I ask that you would pour out your goodness upon us. Apart from you, we have nothing. Um, apart from you, we will get nothing out of this. Um, you are the source of all that is good. And so we turn to you, trusting that we will get what we, can, what we need. Awesome. You know, one of the key foundations of the law and grace is understanding that we are created and called to seek God, know him, and align our lives with his will. Created to seek God, know him, and then align our lives with his will. One way to do that is through prayer. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, prayer. You know, the word prayer is a common part of our vernacular and culture, right? It's mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible and is commonly used in church settings and used to be used all the time even outside of church settings. Well, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you took a decent amount of time to figure out what prayer truly is? Have you ever done that? thought about, analyzed the word prayer, looked, about, looked at where it's at in the Bible to figure out what it means to pray. You know, I believe this is something we really need to do, and maybe you already have. Maybe I'm the only one in the room that hasn't done that. Um, but you look at First Thessalonians 5.17, and Paul gives the recommendation to pray without ceasing. It's a heck of a thing to put on a group of people, a church in Thessalonica for believers, to pray without ceasing. I, I do believe it's something we got to really look into to figure out what it means to pray. And so that's what I want to do tonight. You know, it's not going to go too academic, I promise, um, but we are going to start with the Greek and then move into uh, how it applies to our lives. So if you look at the Greek, every form of prayer begins with um, the word pro which means closeness or intimate contact. Now the word prayer, which begins with pro, is talking about coming close or in direct contact with our creator. Take a moment to think about that. 
coming in to direct contact, intimate, close contact with our creator himself. How is that even possible? It's, it's mind-blowing to me that that is even where we start with figuring out what prayer is. The reason this is possible is because it's God's design. The creation is made to be in the presence of its creator. Uh, don't believe me, believe the Bible. Genesis 3.8, Adam and Eve have done what they did with the apple. And then the next verse, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So it's obvious that God, prior to sin, desired to be in face-to-face contact with his creation. You know, even though we rebelled against God and shattered his perfect creation, it is still God's desire to directly interact with the ones that he made, his children. That's why Jesus came and died the death he died, so that we could be reconciled to our maker and return to the intimate contact that we were designed to have. That's why the author of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 4.16. You know, he's talking about Jesus as our high priest because of what Jesus did. We now can, let us therefore, approach the throne of grace with boldness. That's the throne of God himself. So that way me... That way we may receive mercy and find grace and help in every time of need. It's amazing. This is what prayer is. It's coming face to face with our creator. You know, there's so many different forms of prayer, whether it be confession, petition, like God, we need you to please come and do something in this city, supplication, falling on your knees saying, God, I need you in this moment, intercession, please God, come and help so-and-so praise, thanksgiving, right? These are all forms of prayer that are found throughout the Old and the New Testament. But we just got to know the basis of it all, the foundation, it's a face-to-face interaction with the one who made you. You know, to go a little bit deeper, more specific, um, a little bit more Greek for us, there's a word called prosciutto. And I had to have Google pronounce that last part for me. <laughs> it's not prosciutto, it's prosciutto according to Google that I looked at. Who knows? I'll be confident. Prosciut means uh, to come face-to-face with God to present a wish, a desire, or a vow. And depending on the translation you look at, it shows up over 127 times in the New Testament alone. This is like the most common form of prayer that we see mentioned. A vow is is when somebody is willing to give something of great value to God for a favorable answer. Willing to give something of great value to God for a favorable answer. You know, looking through the Old Testament and the New, it supports that this is, that prayer is a way to make our requests known to God so that God can interact with our reality to bring about more favorable results, which is unfathomable to me. Take a moment to consider that, that we can go face to face with God, ask him for what we need, plea with him, make vows, so that way he can interact with us in a favorable way. And it shows it over and over in the Old and New Testament that this is what our creator does. It's as if our creator has designed this world with his desire to interact with our lives to make them better. You know, let's get a little Bible to back it up. First Kings 8. This is Solomon as he's dedicating the temple. 
when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you. And then they pray towards this place, confess your name and turn from their sins because you punish them. Then hear in heaven and forgive the sins of your servant, <clears throat> your people of Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk and grant rain on your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. So this idea back before Jesus had come when they were fully under the law and the sacrificial system was that when we sin against God and he shuts off the blessings come that we need, we just need to come before him, pray and ask, and then he will give us what we need. You know, Paul continues it in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, don't worry about what troubles you face in front of you, because what we can do is simply go before God, make our requests, and his peace, right, which is verse 17, which surpasses all understanding will overwhelm you. You know, this is a beautiful aspect of prayer, but to end here with our exploration is dangerous. It can easily lead to us thinking and believing that we can manipulate God to do whatever we want him to do. If I light this candle, if I pray this certain type of prayer, then my kid will be safe. My grandpa will no longer have cancer. I will find the person I've always wanted to marry. My bank account will be overflowing. To view prayer and its function like this as manipulation is a form of magic. If only I had done this, then God would have given me what I truly wanted. You know, I believe in order to better understand prayer, we must understand who we are and who God is. So take a moment to remember who we are. In light of overall universal time, beginning to end, think about words that describe who you are in that picture. I came up with three, and I didn't include unique, which you could have put in there, but temporary, fleeting, blink of an eye, drop of a hat, we are here and then we are gone. We are flawed. It takes a long time for us to gain wisdom, and then to hold to that wisdom is really hard for us to do, and we have to learn it and learn it and relearn it. And if you're anything like me, most of our decisions come out of a very self-centered focus. I am the center of my world, therefore my decisions are made based on what is best for me. Now think about God in that same broad sweeping spectrum of all of time. What words would you use to describe him? How about eternal? beginning to end because of him it exists prior to him he only existed right all of time is encompassed within his grasp whatever metaphor you want to use he is perfect he has zero flaws zero imperfections i look at this world that we live in and the various laws that keep everything in place put together by our creator just testifies to his perfection. Think about his understanding, what he knows from past to present because he stands outside of that time. And his focus, 
as I read in the Bible, as I analyze my own life, as I talk to people that are open to me about their life, their relationship with God, God is full of love and compassion for his creation. He's not self-focused like we are, but he's rather fully focused outward, doing what is best for those who turn to him. You know, it's out of this understanding that our approach to prayer should be far different than simply saying a rote line in order to get what we want. Instead, it should be the act of humbly and sincerely approaching our creator to pour out what is on our minds and our hearts with the ultimate goal of surrendering our desires or wishes for our lives for his desires or wishes for our lives. Let me say it another way, a little bit more compact. Prayer is coming face to face with our creator in order to willingly lay down our lives. Think about what that means, your lives. That's your mind, your thoughts, your belief systems, everything that allows you to function the way you function, your emotions, those things that influence you moment by moment, causing you to think and act in certain ways. And then your plans, how we want our lives to roll out. That is our life, our mind, our emotions, our plans. Prayer is coming face to face with God in order to lay those down at his feet in order to receive his plan for our lives. You know, let me give you an example of this. Why not go to the pinnacle, Jesus? You know, John 5.30, Jesus puts it this way. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now, if you just hear that in passing, it's very easy to think, well, Jesus was the son of God. Of course, he knew what God's will was for him. But you got to also remember he was all man. As you read through Jesus's ministry, which is shown in the gospels, he's constantly pulling away the early morning, late night to be by himself in prayer. You wonder why he's doing that other than to figure out what God, his father, wants him to do in the days that lie ahead. You know, we see this played out uh, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's about to be taken captive, crucified, just a terrible thing lies ahead of him. And he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. So you see, that's, God, that's Jesus' desires in that moment. Being overtaken by his emotions, knowing what lies ahead, he's like, man, I do not want to go through this. But then through prayer, he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, one theologian uh, defined prayer in this way. And this is one you guys can remember. To exchange wishes. To exchange wishes. Means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes or desires for his wishes or desires. To exchange wishes. You know, by defining prayer in this way, it helps us begin to understand why Paul instructed believers to pray without ceasing. We are not called to remain on our knees 24-7 praying for all those in need, which is good. But rather, we are called to continually abandon our hopes, desires, and wishes at the feet of our Creator so we can be transformed into our original design. I love the way Paul puts it in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, again, mind, emotion, physical, everything, as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, the abundant life. You know, by approaching our days with this mindset, the Bible guarantees we will live the best life possible. You know, if you don't believe me, let's once again consider again who we are and who God is. So you and me, all of humanity, are continually seeking two things in my opinion. Contentment. That's like joy, acceptance, peace, just being really good, having like a good mindset of being satisfied with what we have. It is enough. I am loved. This is enough. We seek contentment and we seek purpose. In purpose, we seek fulfillment. It's really what we want in our days is fulfillment, doing things that bring us a deeper sense of fulfillment and worth. And we want passion in doing that, not just barely doing it, but really doing it well. And our lives consist of looking for these things in endless ways. We look for it in relationships, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, father, son, daughter, mother, work and hobbies, what you do to make a living and what you do for enjoyment, money, possessions. I look at all the toys we have and even inherently good things like loving other people. As we pursue these things as our source for contentment and a sense of deeper joy, they stay just out of reach. Doesn't matter how hard we try, how successful we are at them, how good our relationships are with our kids, how many nice things we do for other people, how many messages I present to you, how often the praise team presents to you. Doesn't matter how much we do it, we still don't get that contentment and purpose that we deeply desire. We feel this emptiness sitting within us, the core of who we are. Now let's think about who God is, the one that created everything we know. I know that's philosophical, maybe mind-stretching, but think about that. Everything that we see, touch, feel, smell is here because it has been created, made by another. And he is powerful, full of understanding to the point of being beyond comprehension. But he also desires for us to know him intimately, for us to come face to face with him so that he can lead us into, what, into that which we desire most, contentment and purpose. I believe this is what prayer does. It brings us before the one that made us so that he can transform our mind, our lives, as he guides us into the abundant life. You know, one that is saturated with contentment, one that is overflowing with purpose, that which we truly desire. Through prayer, we can begin to understand, like Paul said in Romans 12, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And as we know that, we can strive to live it out. You know, a guy named Soren Kierkegaard, maybe I've heard his name, maybe I mispronounced it. He's a theologian, really smart mathematician back in 1700s said, prayer does not change God, but it changes he who prays. You know, this is the ultimate way for us to worship God, 
to surrender our will, our own agendas and philosophies on living so that he can transform us. Willingly giving up our control over our lives to our creators is the pinnacle of worship. If you wouldn't mind pulling up Romans 12.1 one more time. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Lay them down. Give them to him. This moment, today, tomorrow, holy and acceptable to God, which is true because of Jesus, which is your spiritual worship. Worship is not simply about singing songs to God, which is worship. It's not about falling on our face before him, which is worship. It's not about gathering down at the mission on Mondays, which is worship. The heart of worship is laying down our lives saying, God, I want what you want for me far more than what I want for myself. You know, this type of surrender begins with how we approach prayer. At its foundation, the purpose of prayer is to bring us face-to-face with God so that we can willingly submit to his authority in our lives. And our motivation to do this should continually come from an understanding of who we are and who God is. You know, prayer is not something we just do before we eat or when we know somebody who is struggling. It seems to me that prayer has nothing to do with words. You know, prior to this week, two weeks of studying, that's where my definition would have come from. It's the words that we say before God, which is part of it. But as I've been thinking through this, praying through and meditating upon today, it just dawned on me that at its core, prayer is about our philosophy of life, our beliefs on why we were, why we were created and the actions that flow from that belief. You know, that's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing because it's more than just words. It's a lifestyle. It is a philosophy, a deeper worldview that we should engage into out of which we understand that God is our authority and it's through him and his direction that our lives will be the best they can be. You know, there's no formula on how we live this out, on how we pray. You know, I don't believe it involves words, but, you know, words are often what motivates our actions. Um, And for me in the last few years, to pray, to really move into prayer, verbal prayer, I guess, Um, meditation has been just a really key component. And, you know, next week I'm going to be looking at meditation, how we are called to meditate, kind of unpacking that. But what I wanted to end with tonight was giving us a chance to meditate on what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. So when Jesus was asked, was giving the Sermon on the Mount, he said, when you pray, do it like this. Like what a perfect place to come to figure out how to pray, right? And we understand, hopefully you're starting to understand the foundation that lies behind prayer. It's not saying the Lord's Prayer over and over, but it's rather the content that is within that that we can turn to. You know, instead of grabbing the King James or the ESV, I went to the message. Um, Common vernacular written by a guy named Eugene Peterson. But this is how he put it. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. 
which is amen. You know, meditation, and we're going to look at it a lot more next week, for me has been grabbing a phrase, whether it's a verse or something you heard, and just meditating and repeating it in your mind over and over as you think about the deeper implications behind that. So I'm going to read this one more time and then give you a little bit of time to just hone in on one of these lines, one of these words if they pop out, and just give you a chance to submit before God as you meditate upon it. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes.